Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. 7 a.m. Hello and welcome to Bad Romance. I'm Jordan Searles. And I'm Bronwyn Isaac. And this week we are doing 2011's A Little Bit of Heaven. Directed by Nicole Kasel, and there's also a second name here. So was it directed by two people? Suzanne DePasse, and it was written by Gren Wells, and I do not know this person. Has he written anything else? No, this was his... Oh, oh. Gren, Gren is a woman. Gren Wells is a woman. I just didn't like the name. Um, and this was her first screenplay. Uh, the second was a film called The Road Within with Dev Patel. And I have no idea what that is. Oh, yeah. Um, I've heard that name, but I haven't seen it. Uh, so this is a film that's very much... Like, when people talk about the worst rom-coms of all time and the worst reviewed films of all time, this film pops up on the list a lot. And it gave me the impression that it was just terribly bad, just unwatchable, just shit. And I gotta say, I don't see it. <laughs> I don't yeah, see it either. I, based on the reviews and the low, the 4% Rotten Tomatoes, I mean, we've talked plenty of times about how Rotten Tomatoes is not, you know, it's not an actual metric, but it does tell you how other people feel. And seeing 4% on Rotten Tomatoes, I expected much less. I expected to not have any, um, any fun watching this. And it's not going on my list of favorite movies, but... I had a fine time. Yeah. It was, it, was mean, a, it was a movie. It helped that I didn't have to pay to rent it, so I didn't feel like I invested anything. Um, but uh, just for the sake of conversation, just to prove, because I feel like once we talk about this, it's going to be, it's going to seem really weird. Like, why, why did we pick it? Like, and so I'm going to read some of blurbs from Rotten Tomatoes about this film to just prepare you for what we thought it was going to be. Here's, here's a little blurb from William Goss. It says, Sap without the weight of reality awkwardly combined with a romance without much chemistry. Like, I feel like that's accurate, but I also don't understand. <laughs> like, it doesn't seem... Like, yeah, I would say that that's pretty it's, fair. Technically, um, that's true, but... It's also not at all how I would describe the movie. Yeah. Um, uh, Joe Newmeyer said, A little bit of hell, which, okay. Um, I mean, that one was just so set up for him. Like, sure. <laughs> you know, somebody was going to say that. Frank Shack at The Hollywood Reporter said, Kate Hudson dies prettily in this tone-deaf dramedy about a woman finding love while suffering from colon cancer. Um, t- 
tone deaf in what respect? Also, I, I don't know. I also have a problem with that term. Like, it's been pointed out that it is ableist. And, like, yeah, I agree. And also just, like, I don't actually get what it means in the way that it's used most of the time. It's weird. Yeah, um, I normally feel like tone deaf could be replaced with untactful. Like, that's normally how I interpret it is um, untactful or uh, something or someone who that is specifically getting something wrong and being insensitive. Mm, yeah. So the next one is from Connie Ogle from Miami Herald. This is the first one from a woman. And uh, when a movie opens with a character telling you that love isn't important, that movie is definitely going to smack down that non-believer because movies always believe love is important. Yeah, that's true. Um, I'm not sure how, how that's a count against the film. Uh, yeah, probably I mean, should have picked a better blurb. That's a trope. Like that is definitely a trope in movies. And like, so welcome, I, welcome to the romantic comedy. Well, like, yeah, what else? Exactly. I was gonna say. I mean, when in in the opening um, scenes, when there is the voiceover where she's talking about how she doesn't need love, like, yeah, of course, you know, like that by the end, she's gonna realize that love is real and it's worth it. And I understand how that can be frustrating. And I've complained about it in some of the movies we've covered because it is so one note. But it's also like you could just turn off the movie then. <laughs> like if that in itself is going to bother you, you could just turn it off. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess, you know, with film critics, like you're kind of like some, there are some movies that you just kind of have to watch. So, I oh, mean, I maybe, this is just a person on Rotten Tomatoes. Not oh, no, no, no. I'm reading from critics from publications. Um, and the final one that I'm reading is from Lou Luminick from the New York Post, who says, who knew dying could be such a laugh riot? Certainly not any of us who have actually watched a loved one in the awful final stages of cancer. So this is a person who is offended um, on behalf of people who have actually watched their loved ones die from cancer. And, like, I understand that. Uh, but also, I feel like the movie doesn't really take cancer lightly. No, not at all. <laughs> I've lost multiple family members from cancer. It runs in my family. It's very much a risk. Like that's very direct. And I didn't, I, I thought it handled cancer pretty well. Like it, it of, of all the things that it tries to handle it, it covers how heavy and hard and how there's really no one way to handle it. And it shows the grief of the family and it also shows that when someone's dying, they don't want to be treated like they're dying all the time because they want to still be alive. So I actually, it's kind of funny. I actually felt like that was one of the only things that the movie really did well was showing how messy it is when someone's dying. Like, I didn't feel like the movie was like punching, like joking about cancer. I felt like it was just a character who didn't want to like be sad while she was dying. Right. Like, I feel like we're judging. I feel like the reviews are judging Kate Hudson for not wanting to take cancer seriously. And it's like, well, she's dying. She can take this however she wants. Yeah, like, cancer is taking her seriously. So why does she have to take it seriously? Like, let right. her make jokes. Like, 
Do, and everyone around, and everyone around her takes, yeah, and everyone around her takes it seriously. Like she has like a whole friend group. We've got Rosemary Dewitt, Romani Malco, Lucy Punch, and like all three of them take it very seriously. Specifically, Rosemary Dewitt, who is like. She's an actress who is, like, chronically playing moms. Like, she has mom face. She has mom energy. I have never seen Rosemary Duet in a movie where she was not a mom. Agreed. Me too. I I, I had that moment where I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Of course she's a mom. And she's she's good at it. She's She's fantastic. But, yeah, she's always typecast. And she's so, she is obviously the person who is most upset. And it totally makes sense because it's like, well, one, she's pregnant and she's a mom and she's like, you know, she's, she's watching, she's creating life and molding life and then watching the life of her friend, like go out. Like, of course, she's the one that's going to feel this the most, like, emotionally like the scene in the end where um kate hudson is apologizing to her for like you know just like (laughs) i mean like it's weird because i don't think that kate i don't feel like kate hudson has to apologize for anything because she's dying of cancer but i do think that it's nice that she apologizes yeah i've been a bitch to you and you know i you know i love you so much and all of those things and then uh she's on one side of the door she's outside the room it's probably the best scene in the movie and rosemary duet is inside and she's just like crying and then you see her like kind of like she was standing at first and then she kind of like slowly comes down to the floor and she's just like, you know, you can just feel the pain that she's going. I love Rosemary Duet. Like she's me too. She's, she's fantastic. She's so she's when so she good. Thinking, I really felt that. Like that was such a it was just such a real expression of what it feels like when grief just overtakes your whole body. I felt I definitely agree that that was the best if not one of the best scenes in the movie yeah or, or reverse to that <laughs> it was yeah. not the best if not the best yeah like that's totally great like everybody's you know um treat williams plays her dad and he's great kathy bates plays her mom she's great everybody's great peter dinklage shows up actually he's the title because he refers he's i guess he's like a he's a sex worker and he refers to himself as a little bit of heaven and i just thought that that was the cutest like i didn't know what the title's gonna mean but finding out that it was that was very satisfying i absolutely love the scene with peter dinklage partly because i love to see him but also it was a fun scene yeah, he's just fun, and, like, they don't have sex, but they pretend to just to freak out Romani Malco, which is great, and them just, like, yelling and having a good time together is great. I also find Peter Dinklage to be very sexy, so I just love to see him. It's just like, that's a oh, yeah. man. He is very <laughs> sexy, and he, I, I like that he comes through, like, he was hired, and he comes through and he's just like kind of calling her out on her shit. Like he, he doesn't have any pity. He's just like, Oh, you're dying. Welcome. (laughs) And, and they just like have this connection because he's a straight shooter and she likes that. And they just play cards and um, yeah, they pretend to have sex loudly so that her neighbor friend, uh, Romani Malco can like hear and be scandalized and yeah that was that was definitely one of the most fun scenes in the movie 
Yeah, this movie reminded me how much I miss seeing Romani Malco because he was um he's in the first two or three seasons of Weeds. I don't know how long he's in there because I know that like I don't know if you've ever watched Weeds, but it's kind of a show that goes on forever and it has like arcs like an anime because it's so fucking long. So like the first at the first part, she's like she's like dealing weed and she's working with black people, and then at some point she goes to Mexico and then that changes the whole thing. And all of a sudden all the black people are gone and are replaced with Mexican people. And it's just like this whole thing where it, like it goes through all these racial stages, but the Romani Malco stage from the first two seasons was the best. And I miss him and he's great. And it's nice to see him in a movie. That's not the love guru. And that's love guru is probably like his most famous movie. <laughs> famously yeah, he was fantastic in this. I wanted, if anything, I just wanted more of him. I felt like him and Kate Hudson had more chemistry um, than her and Gail Garcia Bernal. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, well, that's, okay, so that's the thing. Okay, so the story is about Kate Hudson, and she, I don't even remember what her job is, because at the beginning, she's, like, doing a pitch about, like, condoms oh oh, she's an ad executive okay she's an ad executive the setting is new orleans which is very fun and they do use the setting like there's like live music and stuff and that's really great and also the end credits have like some fun live music so they actually make use of new orleans yeah it's Um, funny because last week our movie was also set in new orleans and it did not use the setting well (laughs) i mean you know, Mr. Wright didn't really use anything well, but it is an interesting contrast having two movies set in New Orleans in a row and seeing how differently they both handle it. Yeah, this movie is definitely, like, actually using the setting well. And so she um, she finds out that she has colon cancer and that it's such an advanced stage that, like, surgery can't help it, so she has to do chemo. And her doctor is Gael Garcia Bernal, um and he you know uh, he's he's in a lot of films people like him i like here's the i like him as an actor i actually don't find him attractive which i feel like i'm the only person who doesn't like (laughs) um so it was kind of hard for me but it was even harder for me to really deal with their room well it's like a cancer patient and her doctor having a roommate so like it's already unethical um but he plays such a humorless character that it's very hard to believe that he could have chemistry with anyone. And it kind of sucks because I've seen him in films where he's like having a great time and he has a sense of humor and he's a very fun presence. And in this movie, he's not at all. I don't know. See, I actually liked that. Um, Cause I felt like the movie was trying to show that in many ways she needed someone who was so different from her in order to have that vulnerability, like she needed somebody who would kind of force her to like actually express her feelings. So I actually really liked the fact that he was kind of this like dorky straight shooter doctor instead of being like super fluid and suave in his personality. Cause it felt in that sense to me, it felt realistic. Like, because like they, they don't have great screen chemistry cause they do feel like a weird coupling to me. Um, but yeah, it's very hard. It's very hard for me to see Kate Hudson with a person who like, isn't white. I mean, that's part of it. Um, the other part of it is that like, 
I understand what she gives. I understand what he gives her, but I'm not sure what she gives him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you mean just like, as far as why would he be into her? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, I feel like it goes back to the fact that he, in one of the scenes, she asks why he doesn't have a girlfriend And he basically just says, you know, he works long hours at the hospital. He just doesn't have time. And so he's not pursuing dating or anything. And, and he's also kind of shy. So I just read it as he doesn't really have time. He's shy. She's very much persistent, very much overt. There's no, he doesn't really have to worry about reading cues because she's just like laying it all out there. Um, and I mean, yeah, the ethics, that's a huge thing. <laughs> like, the ethics is a huge thing. And the fact that she is dying, and it's not that you can't connect with someone when they're dying, but starting a relationship then is pretty intense. Um, so those are huge, huge, huge factors. But I did I did actually kind of get why he would be into her in some ways, because he's just, like, so busy with work, and she's so opposite of that, and she's so obvious about wanting to be with him and because she's dying and because of her personality she's not going to get mad at him for working long because she's just like oh cool you're down whereas somebody who is healthy and wants a long-term relationship he's not going to be able to give that that was my read Mm, yeah i mean so it's weird because it's like she's dying and you get the feeling pretty early on that she has accepted it. Like she, there are times when she's angry and there are times when she's upset, but she generally seems okay with dying. And a lot of the movie is just her like getting her shit together and having hard conversations. Like, you know, confronting her dad about abandoning her and talking to her mom about like their differences and like about how she never wanted to be like her mom, which is why she was always like fucking all the time and not having relationships because like her mom fell in love and like, look what happened to her. And so a lot of it's just like, um, her just like getting everything together and making sure that she says everything that she needs to say before she dies. So it's kind of, there's kind of a lack of conflict in that sense because like she's just chilling really. (laughs) I, yeah, I, it was weird to me how quickly she gave up. Um, I mean, the movie sets it up. Like she has late stage colon cancer. She tries chemo. It doesn't work. And then she's trying this other treatment that's in a clinical trial and it has a lot of side effects and no guarantees. And she ends up quitting that. And, and people do confront her about it, you know? They're, they're like, basically like, why are you giving up, et cetera? And, and her whole thing is she wants to enjoy her last, you know, her last days, weeks, months on Earth, which I do get. And a lot of people do make that decision in her position. But it does seem, it does seem strange that a character that's so young, she's like in her 30s, um, and never had health problems before, is so quick to just be like, okay, I guess I'm dying. Like, like she just goes from being shocked that she has anything wrong with her to quitting treatment and not looking into anything else so quickly. Yeah, and it just doesn't really leave much else 
to like it doesn't leave much conflict to be had like there's her there's her relationship um but even that like i almost feel like because he's a doctor he's a bit more chill about it than he would be if he was just like a regular guy because like he's okay he you know he deals with death all the time so he he never really gets super upset about the fact that she's dying. Like he gets upset when they have disagreements in things, but like her dying, he seems even like when he's like on her deathbed, like talking to her, he just seems so at peace with everything. (laughs) Yeah. Like there's one conversation that was written to very directly address this where, you know, she's, she basically just asks him, like, what are you going to do when I'm gone? And he's very avoidant. He's like, I don't want to think about it. And he almost tears up. And she kind of pushes him. She's like, no, I really want to know. You've you pressured me to share my feelings. Um, so now I want you to share yours. And And he never ends up sharing his feelings. Instead, he tells a joke. Because that's an ongoing bit is, like, that he's not funny. And so she teaches him, like... I mean, he's basically telling, like, knock-knock jokes, like, that kind of joke. Um, and and then she she kind of laughs and goes, oh, well, my work here is done. And so, like, that's the one time that he almost really talks about his, his grief, um, and it still doesn't happen. I mean, he obviously says he loves her, but I do feel like for a movie that's all about dying and for a movie that shows her close friends struggling with it and her mom, Kathy Bates struggling with it. Um, we don't, yeah, her and Gail, who are the main characters, they don't really struggle with her death as openly as you would think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I mean, but on the other hand, I do think that was kind of part of the point of the movie was a movie where she's, enjoying she's discovering love right before she dies so it's really more about her getting that before she dies than her dying um it's just a very i feel like that's a very very hard balance to strike between having this movie about death and this movie about love but also have it be a comedy like that's a very hard order yeah yeah i mean i mean my problem I think my problem lies in the fact that, like, okay, a little bit of heaven, it's, like, her falling in love during her death. I guess if that's going to be the plot, if there's not going to be much conflict, then I feel like the love story has to be bigger. I agree. I totally agree. Because you're right. Like, if if she's not going to be fighting against dying, if she's not going to be trying treatments or just, like, really really angry and sad about her death um then there needs to be more conflict with the love story because it's weird because at first i thought it would be about the ethics i thought it would be a matter of like we can't be together because i'm your doctor and um you know i don't want to lose my job and so it would be a secret love because of that but then when she quits the clinical trial basically i don't know if he's just not worried because she's no longer his patient but he just he doesn't seem worried at all about that. And so that conflict kind of melts away and then they're just falling in love and there's really no conflict except like a scene where she pushes him away because she doesn't want to be vulnerable and she's feeling angry. But you're right. Like there does need to be more of a, 
like a, a direct conflict. Yeah, I, and it's hard. I, I still, it's, it's weird to me how much people, it's just weird how badly rated this movie was when I feel like there's so many that are like equal quality that have far, far better ratings. Right. Cause I mean, like from a filmmaking standpoint and from a performance standpoint, it's great. Like the only real issue yeah. is the story and the runtime, which is a little long. It is. Um, <laughs> I think 20 minutes could be shaved off. It's, it's almost two hours. I think it'd be like an hour and a half. But yeah, I just, I'm kind of honestly kind of frustrated that like, it's just another one of those cases where like people are like, this is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And then you watch it and I'm just like, well, what is someone's standard for worst movie? (laughs) Cause it just seems like, I don't know. I'm angry that Mr. Wright had better ratings than this. Right. Because Mr. Wright is like a, total disaster like it doesn't work on any level and this is a movie like that i i won't lie like i enjoyed it like i thought there were parts that were cute you know um and like like you said the the actual shots and the actors i mean the actors are great as a great cast people are having fun they're they're doing their job so it does and I, I don't want to be patronizing and like say, oh, well, because it's women directing and writing it, you know, automatically it should do better. But I do. This is a situation where I'm like, it's extra disappointing that this was directed by a woman. This was written by a woman. And it's really not it's not as bad as people say it was. And so it, it makes me more sad that it's one of the few vehicles in this genre that was created by women and it got such blowback. Like, does it deserve a, an award? Does it deserve to be remembered as one of the best of the genre? No. But is it a fun movie with some problems? Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. And oh my God. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at more critic reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Like every quote that I've read is from critics. Like, like, there's one from Stephanie uh, Zacharek who says, in a little bit of heaven, Hudson pushes the just die already meter straight into the red. And no, she doesn't. I don't want her. To, she seems fun. She seems nice. Yeah, what I don't want her to die. Like, like, honestly, the thing that annoyed me the most about her character was just how childish she was to Kathy Bates in most of the movie. I didn't really get it. Like, I understand having complicated relationships with your parents, who among us, you know? Um, But that was the one thing that made me super annoyed was like, yeah, okay, her mom was a little annoying, but like, your mom is sad because she's going to lose her fucking daughter and you're in your 30s and you're acting like a (laughs) 14-year-old. Like, that, like, really annoyed me. Um... But uh, I didn't want her to die. You know, like, Kate Hudson still really poured herself into that performance. She's very charming on screen. Yeah, her and Gail were just hard to see as a couple. Um, Yeah, Gail just, like, doesn't... It just doesn't... They don't have... They don't have chemistry. Um, And I... (laughs) Okay, so 
I think a lot of why people don't like this movie is Kate Hudson. So I'm going to read this one last quote from Rotten Tomatoes, and then we're going to talk about Kate Hudson. Hudson's rom-com baggage follows her like a minefield in this cancer comedy, busting up any delicacy that tries to crystallize around her. And that is from Nicholas Bell. Now, okay. So he said what I think a lot of the other critics are afraid to say, which is that they don't like this movie because they don't think that Kate Hudson is a good actress. Like, I think that that is honestly what it is. Yeah, and I could see and, that. Yeah, and nobody wants to admit it. And I mean, Kate Hudson is one of those... Kate Hudson is somebody who a lot of people are mad at her who have been mad at her for a long time. And they're mad at her basically because she was in almost famous. She, she, um, she was nominated for an Oscar for that performance. And she never like took on a part of that caliber again. And I think personally, like critics just feel like, she has squandered her entire career because she has mainly done romantic comedies. I think that like there's a hatred towards her for doing romantic comedies, for not doing more serious films, for not being nominated for an Oscar again. Like, like the false promise of Kate Hudson. I feel like there's a similar um, idea around Heather Graham too. Like Heather Graham did Boogie Nights and then it was just like, where'd she go? And it's like, she just did a bunch of fun movies that weren't critically acclaimed. And that appears to be a problem. But yeah, I think that people don't like Kate Hudson because she does rom-coms in a similar, like, I'm trying to think. Heather Graham also has this problem. Katherine Heigl also has this problem where it's the roles that they're choosing that people don't like them for, not necessarily the performances. Because I've never seen Kate Hudson give a, like, bad performance. Like, even in, Bri- even in Bride Wars, it's like the whole point is that it's supposed to be this heightened thing. So she's not bad in Bride Wars. She's doing exactly what she's supposed to do in Bride Wars. So I, yeah, I've never seen Kate Hudson not bring it to the screen. And I do think, I also think there's such a chicken egg thing when it comes to the, you know, the quote lost potential of an actor or actress after they've been in one acclaimed movie. And then, and then they're not because it's like, sure. I mean, I mean, there's this give and take of like, she accepted these roles. She decided to be in these romantic comedies and, and there's, I mean, there's a lot of misogyny in the way that people immediately discount people who are in romantic comedies. Um, but also, because she's been, you know, because she got a few of those roles, those are the roles she's offered. So it's not like she can control everything that she's offered. And, and like, yes, you can go audition. And I, I don't know. It, it's such a weird... To me, it's, it's always so strange when people just assume that an actor has a hundred percent power over their opportunities when that's yeah. how Hollywood works. And also like, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird thing because like, um, you know, I mentioned Catherine Heigl, Heather Graham. So the movies that they're known for Kate Hudson, almost famous Heather Graham, boogie nights, 
Catherine Heigl knocked up and like those are considered to be their best movies but those are films that are not really about women like they're they're like men's films that like they ha- that they happen to do really great performances in and it's interesting that when it came time for them to start starring in movies like the same attention wasn't given like is it has Heather Graham given a bad performance? I don't think so. But like she was in Boogie Nights and it's like, that's Paul Thomas Anderson. It's like a huge fucking deal. And it's weird that she's gotten more respect for that movie where she plays a character named Roller Girl who does porn on roller skates. Like that's considered to be like the height of her career. (laughs) It's depressing as hell. Like, Like that's my hot take. It's depressing it just, it's so overtly misogynist. I don't really know. Like, it just is, you know? Like, 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 it, like I don't understand how people don't realize. Like, sometimes I, I feel like there's so much misogyny, I mean, everywhere. But, like, in the entertainment industry that people can't, like, they can't even see the most obvious versions of it. Like, the mental gymnastics people will go to to say, oh, no, 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 but Boogie Nights was so much better in, like, her performance. And, and it's like... And it's like... For yes, her, though, he- was it really the best movie for her? Like, like yeah, Heather Graham is great. Time in so many other movies. Yeah, I mean, like, Heather Graham is great in Boogie Nights, but people remember her tits and her roller skates. And, like, in a sense, also, like, Kate Hudson is great and almost famous, but she's great because she's playing a character that is sexualized, she's a groupie, and she's subverting that by being, like, it turns out that the groupie is the most emotionally emotionally mature person in the film. And, like, that's great writing, and Kate Hudson is amazing in it. But, like, she's playing a groupie, and, like, so it's, like, Heather Graham and Kate Hudson, like, were given all, were given acclaim for heightening, like, roles that were, could very, like, as written, could very easily come off wrong if it wasn't played right, you know? Yes, absolutely. And it's, like, it's not threatening um, to, I, I think that for a lot of people, whether it's their covert or overt um, biases, it's less threatening for them to recognize Kate Hudson um, or Heather Graham in roles where they are, yeah, they're conveniently sexualized or to the side and they kill it at that. But having them actually take up space, that's when everyone's feelings come out. Yeah, exactly. And I think so much about, like, um, Catherine Heigl, you know, Catherine Heigl very infamously was kind of blackballed for saying that she thought that her characterization in Knocked Up was sexist. And, like, I'm a person who I love Knocked Up. I watched Knocked Up, like, there was one week like when I was in high school where I watched knocked up every day after school, like I could not get enough of watching knocked up over and over again. But like as an adult and as a person who has watched the sequel, this is 40. Like, I can't say like, like I can't honestly say that Catherine Heigl didn't have a point. Oh like, yeah, no, I totally agree with her. It feels <laughs> kind of obvious. Like, like <laughs> again, I'm just like, how is that even a question? Like, how are people so like, how are the brain worms so intense that people are like, oh, pearl clutching, let's not let her work. Like, yeah, like, 
that doesn't mean the movie needs to be thrown away. It doesn't even mean she didn't do a good job or she didn't have fun. It's, she's just pointing out a thing. She's Yeah, she was like, just pointing out a thing. And it's like, the only reason why that rule works is because she's so good. Like, yeah. people are like, oh, she's just lucky that she was in the movie. It's like, no, she she made the no, movie. Yeah, somebody else <laughs> would not have done that well. Like... And I think about like movies like 27 Dresses, which people have requested us do on this podcast and we're not going to do because I love 27 Dresses. And it's because like Katherine Heigl is amazing in 27 Dresses. It's a fun ass movie. And I don't I feel like people don't like it, like didn't like it because of residual anger over Knocked Up because I was like, watch 27 Dresses again. There's nothing offensive about this. They're like, oh, she's like always a bridesmaid. Yeah, she has a lot of friends. She's a bridesmaid a lot. Like, that's, like, a normal thing that women go through. Like, I don't know if, like, a a woman would be a bridesmaid in 27 weddings, but, like, it's, like... It's a very real experience. I was bridesmaid, like, five times in a few years when I was in my early 20s. Like, it's a thing. Um, and, And, like, some women have big feelings about it and some don't, but, like, it's a thing that happens. So... Yeah, again, I mean, it just feels like people being like, ew, girly stuff, ew, chiclet, ew, you know, like, like, and, and that residual anger, or just like, that thing that happens where an opinion lodges in your head, and you might not even realize it's lodged there. But like, you've heard something vague about an actress being difficult, and you don't even really remember what it was about. But then it's just in the back of your head. And then when you see um, you know, a log line about them in a movie or, or you watch a movie with them and you're just like, oh yeah, I don't like her. Why don't I like her? I can't remember, but someone told me to. Yeah, we were just we were just told, like like with Anne Hathaway, we were just told randomly that we I'm so weren't glad supposed I never, to like her. I never drank the Anne Hathaway Kool-Aid. I've always liked her. She is like incredible. She's an incredible <laughs> actress. She's gorgeous. She minds her own business. I don't, I really don't get all the hate. I don't get it. And like Kate Hudson, I'm always happy to see Kate Hudson. There's never been a point where I wasn't happy to see Kate Hudson. She showed up on Glee for a season and I was so happy to see her. Kate Hudson (laughs) has such, um, such a charismatic screen presence. Like when she smiles, I'm like, oh, beautiful, (laughs) beautiful, hot confident woman like Kate Hudson is like that's like the kind of woman that I wanted to be like I would watch her like as a kid and I'd be like I want to be like that like I want to be fun (laughs) yeah she's just like full of life and and I I love it she brings it to every role um and I don't yeah I don't understand I don't understand the hate really Um, No, I I really don't. So, yeah, I I think that, like, that's a lot. Because this movie is, like, a C+. Like, there's no reason for it to be, like, so far down. It's not an F-. It's not the F- people gave it. But, no, it's not, you know, it's not an A. Um, But none of the movies we cover are A's. Except for those few rare good romance episodes that we sprinkle in. Yeah, I don't know. And like there it's very hard to make a good cancer comedy anyway. And I mean, if I wanted to like watch someone like if I if I have to watch a comedy about someone dying, I'm totally fine with it being Kate Hudson. Um Yes, I, absolutely. Yeah, I also should mention like there are other like 
The other, like, thing about this movie that I really like is Lucy Punch. I'm a Lucy Punch stan. I love that woman. I, I want to see her in everything. <laughs> yeah, Loved she her. Brings it. She's so fun. Yeah, and I love that, like, near the end, she's like, okay, well, like, my best friend is dying, and she is, like, a legendary hoe. So I have to become a legendary hoe. I have to fuck for my friend and i'm just like yes i totally get that that is love that is her way of grieving that is her way of honoring kate's legacy like that that i love that that's beautiful yeah i I really do and also oh yeah god is played by Whoopi goldberg for some reason yeah (laughs) i mean yeah like i don't even have anything to say about it except of course um <laughs> I, I love this idea like so in so many movies like god is seen as black like i just i love that <laughs> yes yes i was thinking of that i was like Whoopi goldberg morgan freeman um, um yeah and god is black in bedazzled too <laughs> like i don't remember the actor but god is black in that movie <laughs> yeah it's like I, I i do love that um because it would be weird if it was like diane keaton or something Oh my god, Diane Keaton as a god. What a weird thing. Okay, now like, I'm now I can't unthink about that. Now I want, now <laughs> I want to see that Diane Keaton playing God. <laughs> um yeah, and I can't like and in terms of um uh like a recommendation, it's weird because there's no such thing as like a good cancer comedy. I, I don't think. At least I have not seen it. Like, I even watched that show with Laura Linney called The Big C, which the whole thing is, like, Laura Linney finds out that she has cancer, and then she just starts, like, fucking, <laughs> like, like starts doing random shit. She makes friends with Gabourey Sidibe. She's, like, doing all kinds of stuff. Like, I don't know. There have been many... Um, uh, many films and TV shows that have tried to do the cancer comedy. And I mean, I think it's noble to try, but I've never seen anyone do it well. Have you? Yeah, I'm I'm looking at my phone right now because I'm trying to remember. Oh, yes. Okay. So there was that movie. Remember um, 50-50? Oh, yeah. Like, 50-50 is maybe the closest that a movie has gotten to being good. My my main issue is 50-50, which, like, I, I've, like, gone back and forth about doing it on the podcast, is that I think that it's kind of misogynist. Um, yeah. I think, like, 50-50, I haven't really seen it since it came out, which is almost 10 years now. Um, I think it's a little better than this at trying to pull off cancer comedy. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean... There, I feel like there's more misogyny in it. Like this movie doesn't, you can, I, I do feel the benefits of, of um, this movie being made by women. Cause it doesn't really feel misogynist. Um, no, no at all. So that's really nice. So, I mean, it's kind of a trade off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also I noticed like some of the snide comments on Rotten Tomatoes are just like, uh, you see how they tried to sprinkle feminism in it, but it didn't work. And I was like, where? <laughs> I, I think you're just imagining them. She's literally just existing. Like she's just existing. Bad for existing. Like, I like guess so. Yeah. No. It's yeah. It's it's weird. Like I don't see the feminism sprinkled in. But yeah. Um. Like you you can watch fifty fifty. Um. I need to rewatch it to decide like if my if if the misogyny is quite enough to where we could do an episode on it or not. Um. But that's one that's like kind of like. 
that has laughs, but like put an asterisk next to it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, this honestly, like this, I had a lot more fun watching this movie than I did uh, Mr. Right. Yeah, I'm just like, I was just glad that um, the movie this week wasn't Mr. Right. <laughs> and this wasn't made by Max Landis, so that's a plus. Yeah, yeah, no, no nothing from him this week. Uh, that legendary shithead. Uh, There's so many of them, it's hard to keep track. It really is. So, yeah, so, those are our thoughts on that movie, so... Definitely our thoughts and our uh, our theme song is by Clutch Douglas. You should check them out. They're a great Seattle band. Um, we're part of the Lunar Light Studio Podcast Network. You should totally check out all of the other podcasts. Um, we love our podcast family. Um, we love you. We love reviews. If you want to leave any, um, if you're listening to this, you probably already know where to find us to listen. Um yeah, you should definitely keep wearing masks when you go outside, wash your hands, drink water, be nice to yourself, log off sometimes. I'm Bronwyn Isaac. I'm Jordan Searles. Bye. Bye. Uh, yeah. Back it up, back it up. Let's dump this truck. Uh, yeah. Back it up, back it up.